Hey friends, we hope you enjoy this sermon from St. Jude Oak Cliff. And if nobody has told you today that they love you, we do. But more importantly, God does. Our reading this morning is going to come from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. And since we're looking at the advent of joy, we're going to talk about the incident of the shepherds. But we're reading from the First Nations version, which was written by Native American Christian theologians to give to Native American tribes throughout the United States. And the reason we're reading this is that we forget, or maybe we didn't know in the first place, that the names in the Bible mean things. The name Mary means something. The name Jesus means something. The name David means something. And in Native American culture, names always have meaning. And so when you hear this reading this morning, that's probably the way the first readers and hearers of the gospel heard the story. So this is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 18. Thanks, Carter, for reading it for us this morning. When the time drew close for bitter tears, Mary, to have her child, the government of the people of iron, Romans, ordered that the people be numbered and put on government rolls. This happened during the time that powerful protector, Quirinus, Quirinus, oh Lord, I said it. That's close enough. Was the governor of Bright Sun, Syria. All the tribal members were required to travel to their own ancestral village to register. He gives sons, Joseph, and bitter tears, Mary, set out on a long journey from Seed Planter Village, Nazareth, in Circle of Nations, Galilee, to House of Bread, Bethlehem, in the land of promise, Judea, the village of their ancestor, the great chief, much loved one, David. The journey took several long days and cold nights as they traveled over high hills and through the dry desert. When they arrived, tired and weary, they entered the crowded village. The time for bitter tears, Mary, to have her child was upon her, but no place could be found in the lodging house. So he gives sons, Joseph, found a sheep cave where it was warm and dry. There she gave birth to her son. They wrapped him in a soft, warm blanket and laid him on a baby board. Then they placed him on a bed of straw in a feeding trough. That night, in the fields nearby, shepherds were keeping watch over their sheep. Suddenly, a great light from above was shining all around them. A spirit messenger from the Creator appeared to them. They shook with fear and trembled as the messenger said to them, Do not fear. I bring you the good story that will be told to all nations. Today in the village of much-loved one, David, an honored chief has been born who will set his people free. He is the chosen one. The spirit messenger continued, This is how you will know him. You will find the child wrapped in a blanket and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly, next to the messenger, a great number of spirit warriors from the spirit world above appeared giving thanks to Creator, saying, All honor to the one above us all, and let peace and goodwill follow all who walk upon the earth. When the messengers returned to the spirit world above, the shepherds said to each other, Let us go and see this great thing Creator has told to us. So they hurried to the village of chief much-loved one, David, and found bitter tears, Mary. He gives sons, Joseph, and the child, who just as they were told, was lying in a feeding trough. The shepherds began to tell everyone what they had seen and heard about this child, and all who heard their story were amazed. Thank you, Carter. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts and conversations and musings in all of our hearts and minds together be pleasing and acceptable to you, our Lord and Redeemer. Amen. We're going to be looking at joy this morning, and I know that's even a strange word. We say joy to the world, we enjoy life, we rejoice. Joy is um, 
is a difficult thing to kind of understand. I think we more experience it than understand it. And the best way I can kind of describe it, it's kind of being visited by bliss. And I have a strange title for my message. It's Joy Equals Courage Plus Blurriness. And by blurriness, I'm borrowing from a Hebrew, um, an Israeli poet, who said that when we talk about pain, it's very precise. Like, and we do talk about pain. Well, tell me about your pain. Uh, it's in my neck, and it's not a sharp pain. It's more like a dull pain of some sort of evil creature pulling it all the time, not here, here. Pain is very precise. When we talk about pain, but real joy, when you talk about it, what do you say? You go like, oh, you should have been there. It was like, whoa, oh, man, right? Real joy is blurry. Because it's not, some, it's not a feeling, you're being visited by bliss. And all you can do is somehow say, well, come and be visited by bliss. And then we'll both go like, wow, together. You all know what I'm talking about a little bit? That's exactly what went on with the shepherds. They were visited by bliss from the messengers from the spirit world. They're, the angels were come down to these shepherds. And remember these Jewish shepherds, and it's very important to remember, they were probably tattooed up and they smoked cigarettes. If we think of shepherds, we have far too precious moments for you shepherds. Um, Israeli shepherds in the first century, they were troubled kids who, that's the only job that they would be allowed to do because they're out at night and they're not causing trouble. But when they came into town, there was all kinds of things in Jesus' day, like don't ever take, don't ever take a credit card from a shepherd. In other words, don't, 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 they don't give back. And, you know, when, when shepherds are walking down the street and you've got a bike, lock up your bike. That's the kind of thing. So you have to remember, these are the people that God says, you're, you're my family. And I'm going to give you a great message of great joy. And instead of saying, oh, now we can go to the princes and, the, like, look at us. God visited us. They go, they go to a single mom and her fiancé and say, your baby is going to be amazing. Like, pow. It was the blurriness of joy. Isn't that awesome? You know, I, I can remember um, a, a, a blurry joy moment. I think some of you may have had it. And it's, we have to be careful because it's, it's, it, it's a gal, but her name, her, her name was Melinda Sanders. In 1998, she worked for Channel 5 in Atlanta, Georgia. And she went to Chateau Elan, which is this little tiny winery outside of Atlanta. And she decided um, to put a bucket of grapes on a stage you go, you don't want to go into this. She's the great, she's the great grape stomping lady. Okay, some right now are like, right? Total bliss. Like you, have, like, you have to watch it. So just look up um, grape stomping lady. This happened in 1998, but she went viral in 2009. By the way, she's okay. But she got in one bucket of grapes, and the person that worked at the winery got in the other bucket of grapes on the stage, and they said, the contest is to stomp and see who can stomp the grapes to get them into juice the fastest. And she, she stomped, Melinda did. And then she stopped. And she goes, ha, ha, ha. And then she started stomping again. And she was miked. And this is early morning TV, like Good Morning Atlanta, Channel 5. She stopped, and then she, she fell out of the bucket onto the grass below. But she was miked up. And she got the wind knocked out of her. And it, we, I don't think she's ever had the wind knocked out of her. Like, what adult hasn't had the wind knocked out of them? <laughs> and so it's live. She got the wind knocked out. And she goes, oh, 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 I can't talk. Oh, oh, oh. And it was live TV. And, the, and then they go back to the people in studio, and they're like, oh, my. Uh, 
And then they go back to Melinda. She's, ew, 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 ew. And you can't describe it. And so I remember the first time I saw this was on vacation with my family. And my sister and I laughed so hard, I think we had, I almost, I almost wet my pants. And they said, what are you laughing at? I said, I, I can't. It's the blurriness of joy. Now, it's interesting. Isn't Melinda a little bit like, I thought about this. She, she turned out to be okay. She actually did break a rib. But she was fine afterwards. I know, no shot in front. She did break a rib, but that's it. But it's so, isn't it ironic that her life and her suffering and her eventual resurrection from that brought so much joy to all of us? She's like a Jesus figure in a way, isn't she? But that's the blurriness of joy. And you can describe it to people, but you, you, describing it doesn't do it justice. It's blurry. All you have to do is be with someone to be visited by bliss. Do you hear what I'm getting at now? You're visited by bliss, and then you experience it. So joy is different than happiness. You know, happiness springs from the inside. Peace springs from the inside. Joy is a visitation from beyond to you. And you have to say yes to it. And when you do, it makes you blurry. But it also puts upon you certain obligations. And that's why I like this particular reading. The, the traditional reading, if you remember from Luke 2, and you can think, you know, how many times have you seen Charlie Brown Christmas? I bring to you glad tidings of great joy. Right? Glad tidings, good news of great joy. The word joy is used in there. And the First Nations versions that said, I have... Great, I have a great story for you to tell. What's the difference? Glad tidings of great joy is just being visited by bliss. But very often, joy is a responsibility. There's a, there's a Polish poet I like, um, and we could put, if you can put that up there, Jess. She's awesome. That's her. Anna Kaminska. Look at her. Doesn't she, aren't those glasses fabulous, by the way? She wrote a book simply called Astonishments, which is deeply spiritual and Christian in the sensibilities. But if you read about her, she always wrestled with faith. And at times she would even describe herself, I don't think I believe in God. But God leaks out of her in the most beautiful ways. Oh, my word. And this book, Astonishments, this book of poem, I mean, it makes you just want to like clap for like, oh, Jesus, you're ministering to someone that doesn't even talk about you in a way that says they're connected. But we know that that's not true because who made Anna? God the Father through Jesus made her for himself. So Jesus leaks out of her whether she wants him to leak out or not. But this is what she says about joy in one of her poems. And I think this is so true. Joy, it's not just a gift. In a sense, it's also a duty, a task to fulfill. Courage. When you are visited by bliss, by the presence of God, it imposes a responsibility. It's not just for you. It's not just for you. That's why we would rather have happiness than joy. When you have a joyful encounter with God, it creates a shepherd's crisis. I've got to do something with it. I've got to go somewhere and with my blurry voice, do the best I can to tell people about it. I love that about joy. And this story brings it out. It's not just a gift. In a sense, it's also a duty, a task to fulfill. It takes courage. 
And that's why sometimes we would rather be happy than have joy. Because joy is fleeting. Something that Brene Brown brings out too. She's got a great, great book called Daring Greatly. She talks about joy in that book. She says it's the most spiritual of all the emotions because it is an intrusion. She gets it. She's a Christian, by the way. She doesn't talk about that much. We don't know that, but she, she's a very devout Christian. She talks about that. Well, joy is, is the most spiritual because it's, it's a visitation of bliss. And all bliss has a source. The source of bliss is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And she says, when you have this source, what do you do with it? It imposes a responsibility to say that God is here, that God is not far away, and that God is for each and every one of us. And that's exactly what the shepherds did. They shared it with, with, with their stuttering, blurry voices to the mother and to the stepdad and to the animals and most of all to the Lord Jesus who heard them well. Joy sometimes creates a sense of fear. Think about the times in your life where you've been visited by bliss. When I was visited by bliss with Grape Stomp Lady in 2009, I was on vacation with my family. We laughed so hard. And I remember laughing so hard with my sister. Um, I come from a large Catholic family, and my parents had what we call Catholic triplets. That means three kids all less than a year apart. I was the middle of the triplet. I have a sister that's barely a year older and a sister that's barely a year younger. And I remember laughing with my sister's kids are saying, what are you guys laughing at? Like, hey, you got to watch this grape stomp lady. They said, that's so mean. No, it's not. She's okay. What adult hasn't got, you don't, you don't yell when you got your breath knocked out. You just stay silent. You don't, like, every five-year-old gets their breath knocked out. Like, what kind of life did she lead under a, like, where was she? Everyone had that. Like, I had it knocked out like 20 times as a kid. What's wrong with this lady? Uh, but nothing wrong. Anyway, like, but we just, but I remember thinking, like, we're going to go home in two days. And I got sad because that means I'm going to, at the time, New Mexico and my, daughter, my sister is going to Northern California and then my other sister is going to Louisville and then my parents are going away and then our own adult kids, well, they're all here and now they're going to leave. And so I said, okay, oh, stay in the moment, but you're going to be sad in a couple of days. You all know what I'm talking about, right? And, and Brene calls that foreboding joy foreboding joy that you have this experience of bliss but to protect yourself from the disappointments of life after this visiting bliss you and I have to sometimes say well don't get your hopes up we lack courage We take the adult easy route. Well, just be disappointed. We become Eeyore, but not even in a good way. Well, it's going to be sad again. We lack courage. But if we think about Jesus and what he's done for us, it should expand our joy. And it's very interesting, isn't it? We have words that are like um, cousins to joy that we use more than joy. We use the word enjoy and rejoice more than joy. We don't have words like re-happy and, and happiness, but we have rejoice and enjoy. And we use those more, like enjoyment. So I, I think what, what is rejoicing is, is remembering those visitations of bliss by God. Paying attention, that's what faith is, paying attention to the gifts God gives you at that moment. 
And when you have it, you say, thank you, Lord. And a lot of faith is remembering, rejoicing, remembering that joy, and then enjoying as being grateful for those intrusions because it's a promise of things to come. And we have to ask ourselves, do we really believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world? Because I think when we have foreboding joy, I think we, we forget that. I, I have a favorite theologian who's, um, I hoped, I, I was going to meet him once, but he's a little bit of a hypochondriac, and I know that because a friend of mine who's a friend of his told me that, and he, he missed the, um, the, the, the conference because um, he was sick, but he's always sick, but he's not sick. He's just a curmudgeon, but he's a brilliant man. His name is David Bentley Hart. This is probably the, the this is the most I've ever seen him smile. If we look at the next picture. <laughs> and he's smiling because he loves his dog, Roland. He actually has a great book called Roland at Midnight. He's a professor of theology and religion at Notre Dame. He got his doctorate at the University of Virginia. He teaches at Oxford. He's a brilliant philosopher, theologian. He writes fictions. He's way too smart. And he's way too much of a smarty pants. And I don't think he's very nice, but I think he's a very kind person. I like what he says about beauty. In his book, The Beauty of the Infinite, he says that Jesus is the most beautiful source and person in the cosmos. And this this relates to joy. This is what he says in The Beauty of the Infinite. He says, beauty, that is Jesus, Jesus Christ. Beauty is a contrary history that pervades and will finally overwhelm the world of our fallenness. Jesus is a contrary history. Isn't that that great? All of our stories are filled with sadness. And Jesus, I will bring you glad tidings of great joy. Jesus himself is the introduction of a contrary history into the cosmos. Isn't that great? That he himself is a country that pervades and will finally overwhelm the world of our fallenness. The world. Glad tidings of great joy. So joy is this contrary history that enters the world and will overwhelm our fallenness. That's joy to the world. That's bliss. Kids get this. But there's something that happens as we get older. We somehow have more foreboding joy than joy to the world. The shepherd's joy was joy to the world. But sometimes it's adult Christian foreboding joy. Enjoy yourself, but don't get too high or too happy because you know in the real world, because we're afraid. And we call that adult. No. It's not even faith or faith. Lack of courage. I think that lack of courage gets beaten out of us as we get older. Kids have that courage. You know, it's, it's possible to bring joy to a hospital. But it's not really possible to have happiness in a hospital. I've been to several hospitals in my life. I continue to go to hospitals. It's part of what I do. And when I go, I always love hearing the sound of young kids visiting a mom or a dad or a grandpa or grandma. Because to a little kid, the hospital is a land of wonder. 
all those machines look like video games. And the beds have wheels on them. Are you serious? And Grandpa has a new friend right next to him with a bed on wheels. They have their own TVs. They get food brought to them, whatever they want. What? And they have like all these liquids going into their bodies so they don't even have to stop watching TV. This is awesome. What's on the other floor? So there in the midst of that, it's possible to have a visitation of bliss in the midst of suffering, but it's not really possible. You guys get what I'm getting at, right? It's not really possible to have happiness. That's how important joy is. But you know why they do that? Because they have courage. They don't listen to the foreboding joy. They see a sense of wonder. Like, they're there to help people? That's awesome. What's on that other floor? Oh, we've put on these, but no, okay. Why can't I go on that floor? What are they doing them? Well, that's the surgery. That's where they make them better. I want to see how they make them better. Right? No, you can't go in there. Why not? So kids, they just have, it hasn't been beaten out of them yet. What happens to us? Why do we do that? I think it's because um, we're afraid. I think when I, about the, the fruit of the Spirit. There's love, joy, joy. Wow. Galatians 5.21 talks about when the Holy Spirit lives in us through Jesus, we have the fruit of the Spirit. And the first one is the love of God. And the love of God, we remind ourselves that we were visited by bliss, by Jesus himself through his Spirit, to trust in him, and now we have joy. And that joy is a task that creates courage that we should give peace to others, like we talked about last week. And patience. And you know what patience really is? It's big-heartedness. It's not just like hanging in there. It's big-heartedness. Love, joy, peace, patience. And, and that it gives it out. And we forget that the Christian story begins with glad tidings of great joy for all the world. And as we get older, that all gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and smaller. Glad tidings of great joy for some of the world, for some people, for most people in my denomination, for maybe some people in my denomination, to maybe a few miserable people just like me. And all I have is my faith, and my faith I defend and you better say it like me. So joy to the world with people just like me, but don't get too happy because it's a very small world. I thought Jesus was a contrary history that came into this world that pervades all of our fallenness. Tim Keller, who many of us either like or love or have Heard of, used to be fond of saying that the gospel essentially is where everything sad becomes untrue. But then we put a parenthesis, everything sad, not for all the people, but for some of the people. What happens to us? We lack courage. We lack the courage to believe what God says he was going to do, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And so our joy, instead of becoming blurry, becomes very, very vocal. 
and precise like our pain. It's joy to the sum, joy to the few. In the Bible, instead of being a book like the beautiful wardrobe in C.S. Lewis's stories where it opens up the whole window to the kingdom of God, becomes simply B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. You have heard of that? Because that's joy to the few. The Lord has come. God have mercy on us. We need to grow younger like our Father in heaven. That when he made himself visible through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, he came to tattooed cigarette-smoking workers of the field, little ranchers out there in Israel, and said, young men, I have a story for you. I have glad tidings of great joy for all the world. Until he was born in the city of David, much loved one, in Bethlehem, the house of bread, a savior, creator, who saves Jesus for all the world. Now go tell the story. And they had the courage to do it. They did it. Do you all believe God? I know you believe in him. I think many of us do. But do you believe that Jesus is the savior of the world? That he has a contrary history? How strong is he, by the way? I thought all authority in heaven and earth belongs to him. It's joy to the world. The Lord has come. I think we need to grow younger like our Father in heaven so our joy becomes blurry again. This Christmas, let's pray that we would be as young as our Father in heaven. And that we'd be precise in our pain and, and tell that to him. But that we would be blurry in our joy. Because that's the truth. Jesus is that contrary history that pervades all of our fallenness. My way of understanding what Tim says when he says, Jesus will make everything sad untrue, is that I have a story to tell you that you are doomed to happiness. Deal with it. Because Jesus Christ has come. Joy to the world. The Savior reigns. Let men their tongues employ. Rocks, hills, and fields. Repeat the sounding joy. Let's pray. Lord, Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your son who is our history. And his history is a contrary history that pervades all of the world's fallenness and that you are the savior of the world. Make our joy courageous. Make it childlike. Make it like yours. We pray in your name. Amen.